welcome to episode one, premiere episode of Command Space. I am Mike Hurley. Unfortunately, Terry Lucy, my regular co-host, could not join me today, so I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett of the 512 podcast and 512pixels.net. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. So you may know Stephen um, from, he hosts, as I say, the 512 podcast on the network. So I mentioned this is the first episode of Command Space. So you know, this is what used to be the bro show, so thank you to everybody that's come over from the old show. Um, hopefully everything's changed over for you in your podcatcher of choice. It should have done. Um, if not, as I say, feel free to get in touch with me. You can hit me on Twitter. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, or email us or go to the contact page and you know get in touch if you're having problems, but it should all be okay. So Command Space, it's a deviation from the old bro show. We're going to be doing a lot more interview-based shows. Um, and we're going to be focusing a lot more on our guests now than we were before and talking less about tech news unless something massive happens. You know, I don't want to be talking about who Twitter might potentially be buying this week, but when the new iPhone comes out, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that at length. Now, for our first episode, um, we thought, you know, bring out the big guns, start in, a, start in a big way, so we brought Stephen in. No, I'm kidding. We have Merlin Man with us. Hello, Merlin. How are you? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure, sir. So I'm sure that you will all know Merlin, um, but Merlin is a, as it says on your website, you are an independent writer, speaker, and broadcaster. Yeah, that's what I'm going with for now. But, you know, I might go with, with Big Gun. I've never been called a, a Big Gun before. That sounds like fun, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you guys have uh, Freudian slips in England? <laughs> I think we have to get them from the doctor. Yeah, I think, I think it's called a torch. <laughs> Olympic torch. That's what it's all about at the moment. It's no, nothing else happening in London right now than the Olympics. Oh, no. Are you near that? Yeah. I'm, I'm it must confined. be so hard to get anywhere. I'm just confined to my home. Oh, that's probably smart. Mm. You, you haven't left your room in like two weeks. No, I'm stuck in. The, the mayor has locked all our doors and that's it. <laughs> so I figured we should, I know that um, I'm a listener of Back to Work. So um, I, my understanding, Dan Benjamin um, sent us um, a note before we started and he said that we have to talk about your t-shirts right now. Is my understanding. <laughs> no. uh, we have t-shirts for sale. Thank you, Dan. It's a show. It's a show. It's a show. No, they, I'm they excited are. about your show. This is an exciting. This is an Thank exciting you. time for you, Mike. This is this is, is this is big stuff. It is. I'm gonna put. You have, a, you have an extremely popular podcast, and you're doing a reboot, which is a very ambitious thing. It is. It, it, it's taken us a long time to make the decision, um, but I felt that we kind of we the, the show has matured, and I'd, the name was kind of like we just fought it up. The bro show. It just came to us because we you know we were just two guys talking and then we started you know the show to got started to get bigger and bigger and i felt it was time for a change so that was why we went with it so I'm, I, sal- I salute your change i think any move away from techniques is a good move don't get me started but congratulations i'm very excited for you guys i, I enjoy your show and uh you. it's nice to be here i hope it's a big success is that going to be you know how's that going to affect your seo how do you oh, consider that squarespace takes care of it mm. Mm. talk about those later <laughs> <laughs> so you're, over the time, I mean, I've been following you since about 2005 with 43 folders and stuff like that. That was when I started to get into technology in, in, in a bigger way. It was when I got my first Mac. You know, things, started, things started happening for me then, Merlin. I'm not going to lie. My life changed. Um, and it's probably since then to now, in a, it, later on in the show, we're going to talk about sort of how your podcasting history has changed in that time. But you, you around that time, you were focusing on 43 folders that was like that was your place that was your your place online how like things have changed a lot for you since then like you do a lot less 
writing and stuff like that. So what do you consider to be like your main focus for your online work now? Hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not really sure what to call it or label it. Um, and I think, uh, in some ways becoming more okay with not knowing what that label is, has been good for me, definitely personally. And <laughs> to call it professionally, there aren't enough air quotes in the world for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to really consider myself a writer and it's only been fairly recently after an abortive attempt at, uh, writing a, a book for a major publishing house that I've, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I've realized that I like writing, but I, I don't like writing to deadline. Uh, I really, I, I like doing podcasts. I'm not sure if that counts as a job, but you know, this is it's. There's a. I, I always feel like everything I've done since 43, starting with 43 folders, which was, I guess, my claim to fame. I'd done, you know, some stuff online, and yes, I was a Yahoo. Uh, Cool side of the day, no big deal. But <laughs> did you get a badge for that? <laughs> back when that ribbon? meant something. <laughs> but uh, no, I you know it's. I, I always feel like there's this level of recursion in everything I do because a lot of what I do is being a little bit broken in public and trying to get a little better at it. And I, that seems like a through line with stuff that I do. Um, and it, it's a nice uh, excuse for when I don't do things well. I've always go, well, you you know, I'm not very good at things. That's kind of what I do. But you know, with 43 folders, it was. It was unintentionally recursive because I started realizing that I was writing about trying to improve the process of, of our work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting at a, a fairly superficial level of, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff in life hacks that's incredibly useful and there's a lot of it that's very silly. But I started realizing early on in the 43 folder stuff, which started in uh, September 2004, that there was a lot of recursion to it. And sometimes it made me uncomfortable in that I was trying to be productive at writing about productivity which was great because I was making a lot of dough at it. But um, at a certain point, that became less exciting to me, and I was starting to realize that the stuff I really liked talking about uh, was pretty far afield from that. So in a nut, I mean, in talking about whatever it is that I do online, I mean, the, the recursive part in, in terms of the, the public-facing um, wall of that is that as I figure out more of what I love to do, I, I hope I can help other people learn to find out and then love what they do. And I, I don't succeed at that all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that's kind of what I try to do. When, you know, whenever I'm at like things with my relatives, and God forbid they Google me at a at dinner, it's the worst. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, um, it's it seems like you make a lot of poop and boner jokes. Is your kid okay? You know, like, can I have your phone, please? Just hand me the phone. Touch the turkey, leave the phone. Uh, but that I think that's what I try to do. So if people say like, "What do you do?" I say, "Well, I try to make I try to make people happy on the internet, you know, or 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 in the case of Twitter, I try to irritate them." But I don't know if that makes any sense. But you know, th- that really came together for me with back to work. It was a really important thing, not to prattle on, but starting back to work, as as, as weird as this seems, required a lot of fighting my lizard brain because it was right at a time when I was most hitting rock bottom with this terrible process of writing this book. And I was like, that's when I had this moment where I was like, no, like the whole point of this book is to do hard things. And the hard thing in that case was to say, I'd rather take a chance at making something that I think might be pretty good with Dan rather than continuing to to turn inward and feel bad about this book that I had a feeling was never going to be good or <laughs> or handled well by my publisher. Not not to slag them, but yeah. So that's that's what I try to do. And to these days, I really like doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a big believer in this idea of, of 
what you could usually call the platform, which is as long as you keep putting out interesting stuff, you'll figure out what interesting thing to do next and accepting that that's an iterative and sometimes chaotic process uh, will mostly serve you well if you, if you embrace it. So, yeah, I, I make stuff for the Internet mostly. 43 folders um, was, it got very big very fast. Um, sort of how does that how did that feel and how does it feel to like because I sort of see that there's the wave that that site sort of spearheaded um, is still continuing you know there are still people that are taking up like the productivity mantle and stuff like how does that feel like does it feel like you started something or do you feel like you were a part of something uh, well the the thing that, that must be said is that it was in- really exciting and exhilarating and surprising and just amazing because I, I had, um, I, I, I was doing for a long time, candidly, I was doing what a lot of people do today before it was popular, which was trying to suck up to people I admired on the internet. Like I really wanted to be Jason Kotke. I really wanted to be Heather Champ. I wanted to be noticed by these people that I really admired. And, um, and I think that that's, that's part of where it started was like, I really craved, that to, I, I crave the ability to make what they, the kinds of things that people I admire made. I wanted to know those people. I wanted to be like them. And um, so, I, but the funny part is that had mostly been accomplished through things, uh, much smaller, less popular properties like fives or let's just list of five things, very silly, like my own, my site Kung Fu Grip, which I've done on and off since 2002. But the, the, the somewhat ironic part was 43 folders. You know, I tried to do it right when I started out. I tried to say, okay, look, this is, if this is going to be a thing I'm going to do, I should do this right. I should buy a domain name. <laughs> I should get it hosted somewhere. But, I mean, I, I, I'm so not sandbagging about this, is that I, I was compl- taken completely off guard by how much it caught on. And it really, really, really caught on on, on a level that I never in a million years would imagine, to where within a couple months I got offered a book deal with Danny O'Brien, <laughs> you know, the guy who invented the term life hacks. So it was totally bewildering, totally exhilarating, kind of weird, but my feeling about it absolutely changed over time. You know, that's the funny thing is I can be I can be hard on other people who are who are doing something that I think looks really silly. But sometimes you've got to do a lot of stuff that looks really silly before you find out who you are and what you're doing for now. And and the breakthrough for me in some ways was accepting that that was more important than trying to quote unquote make people productive. You know that there's a certain selfishness. You know, and, you know to, to that other point though, I mean, one problem with having a blog, and I've I've talked to some of my friends offline about this. One problem at a certain point is your your blog can become very little other than a platform for your blog. So you start out writing something about your something that you're passionate about, which in my case was trying to get better at work. I always felt frustrated by work. I, I was a terrible manager, a terrible employee, terrible, terrible, always unproductive. Before I got treated for ADD, I would just sit around and tag MP3s all day. And so that that's that that struggle for me was very heartfelt, and I tried really hard to constantly produce things that, that would be useful to people because they'd been useful to me. But then I fell into the same trap a lot of people do, which is the blog became a platform for the blog. And you end up talking about promoting other things that you're doing and you stop pushing out the most heartfelt uh, and useful content that you can. I hate that word content, but so anyway, that's, but, but I'm sorry, I'm prattling on again, but, but to answer your question, like it was crazy. Like Corey Doctorow linked to it from Boing Boing, which it's it's hard to articulate what that meant to me in 2004. Andy Bayo liked the site. Ben Hammersley liked the site. And and I mean this is like this is like getting you know a fan letter from Santa or Elvis. It was so crazy to me 
that you know then the success in terms of traffic and stuff yeah. was secondarily exciting. But first of all, was the fact that I got noticed by people that I admired, which just was awesome and terrifying. Yeah, totally. Um, Stephen, I think that you. I mean, when we were talking before, you had something that that you wanted to mention. About yeah, yeah. I, I was just. I was actually have forty three folders open right now, and, and the second thing down is um, your cranking piece. I guess from. Uh, a little over a year ago. I think everybody... April April of last year, I think. um, And I'm sure that... I know I've read it multiple times. And, um, you know, it's just interesting. You used the word that I wanted to get to uh, about being heartfelt. And uh, if you... You know, not not to get too weird, but, uh, you know, I kind of have a a relationship with with what you were writing. I've got uh, a little boy... Who is who is sick, and um, you know I think that that post really reached a lot of people. Um, but you did it on forty three folders, and I thought that was really interesting that it wasn't um, on on another one of your sites, but it was on it was on forty three folders, a site that you know has evolved as your as your thing has evolved. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the question is in there, but um, like, do do you see, um, you know, what what kind of went into to making something so private, so public? Well, that's a that's a whole uh, whole episode <laughs> probably, but it's it's a good question. I mean, the the first thing I thought of when you said that is the innumerable complaints that you see on Twitter from people who say they're never going to use Twitter again. You know, people who are using the platform that they despise to talk about what they despise about it, and you know, this is this is a really cheap response. But in some ways, my posting less on forty three folders is <laughs> um, the most heartfelt thing I can do because I love that site. I like what's there, um, but I just couldn't do the. Just to get to your question, I just couldn't do the blogging racket anymore. It was just too much. It's one reason I don't consider myself a writer anymore because I can't think of a forum where writing regularly would make me happy. Um, it's just the, the way that the environment has changed. And in my own small way, I absolutely contributed to this. You know, when, when Lifehacker came out after uh, 43 folders, you know, uh, a Gawker site, Lifehacker, I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty good site. I got kind of less good, in my opinion. But, you know, there was a surfeit of blogs coming out that I've come to call shovel blogs, which I say without any apology, which is that they serve primarily to generate page views by putting out a lot of posts, um, w- primarily because they need to have lots of posts, not because somebody cared about that. They have to have a piece of stock art, and it's got to be this many words long, and you do this many a day, and they pay you a nickel every couple of days. And that's, that's the racket, and nobody's happy, and everybody's not doing their work, and I didn't want to do that anymore. The reason I put cranking on 43 folders... Uh, in this perverse way, well, first of all, just for my own reasons, I wanted it to reach a large audience. And I, weirdly enough, I still have a pretty, there's like over 80,000, according to Feedburner, which, you know, that and five bucks will get you a cup of coffee. But, you know, Feedburner says there's still over 80,000 people subscribed to the site, which is, uh, you know, they probably just haven't figured out how to delete it. But <laughs> um, it, was, it's be, it had become a disused site because, I, for, first of all, because I had... Uh, this is probably so boring to your listeners, but I'd kind of decided that, you know, I wanted to make this break from being a shovel blog and I really did paint myself into a corner with 43 folders in a way I had not intended, which is I set the bar so high for myself that I never felt I was worthy of writing on my own site. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was, it was, you know, 
uh, it became this, I don't know, not, not Chinese democracy exactly, but uh, maybe Chinese algebra, uh, network ping pong. But I, I really felt like, I really felt like there, I was on this platform had me in front of so many people and I'd made such a show of how uh, I want to write substantial articles and do these kinds of things that, uh, that bar got set really high and, and I, I, never, I seldom felt up to it. But in that case, yeah, that cranky thing, I wrote it, you know, in a, like a day and a half. It's really long and it was very painful to write. I still, it's very painful for me to read. But that's just where I thought it should go because even though I've written a couple things on the site since then, to me that was the coda for the site in a lot of ways. It was not a farewell by any intention, but in retrospect, I think that's as good a thing as I will write, um, definitely for 43 folders, because it encapsulated where I got to with that journey, if you like. Yeah. Uh, and what it, what it brought me to was that there's... There's more, there's more important things than what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, I have this, this uh, I don't know, bromide that I believe in, which is that we, a priority is really the confluence of care and sacrifice. And what I finally realized with that, that silly, lack, or, you know, melodramatic um, essay was that I had been sacrificing too much for something that I didn't care that much about anymore, while the stuff that I did theoretically care about was not getting enough sacrifice, mm. which makes me sound like I'm some kind of hero or something, but it was more like, I just can't stand to see my daughter get taller while I'm working, you know, come back and realize my kid is bigger and learned a word and got better at something and fell down and watched a show I should have been watching with her or read a book. It was just too much. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, yeah, that's why I did that. And, you know, it was also, in retrospect, it's a coda for the, the goddamn book project, which was just a train wreck uh, in the last year of it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, no, 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 it does. And I think, you know, I think I had a similar experience around the same time. And I think Mike is kind of maybe now with this show of, hey, let's, you know, back away from this one thing that maybe has become you know um not as enjoyable or not as fulfilling as it once was and, and maybe something that that matters more um i think i think it's great you know i think like i was just flipping through reader earlier today and looking at you know cleaning out stuff because it's it's grown unweldy again it's like all this stuff that all this tech news and 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 all this oh whatever um all this stuff like at the end of the day, does it really matter? Is it worth taking that time? And I think, I think your answer is great. You know that there are things that are that are bigger. And I think kids, for me, kids did that. You know, and you know, Mike's got dozens of kids running around the islands of, of the United Kingdom, um, so he knows this as well. <laughs> so bad. The, one, the ones you know of, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I remember correctly. I think I DM'd you about this. I see. I seem to recall you having a. Not similar, but didn't you have sort of a statement of purpose on your site to to that? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, yeah, I um, didn't we I kinda, chat about this kind of? I think we did. Um, I took I kind of took a turn uh, on my site away from um, you know I started it four years ago doing tech news, doing Apple news, and one day I just realized I was doing it because that there was momentum behind it, but that's all it was, you know mm-hmm. that. Um, I was just kind of riding this wave, and I was no longer in any sort of control of it. And, um, and so I actually shut down my site for like three months and, and kind of rebooted it. And I actually just pulled a, uh, 
uh, a post that I posted six days after you posted cranking about my son uh, and about his um, the, the day we found out he has cancer. And like yeah. I, I, that that post, I keep it bookmarked in my browser as a reminder of, you know, yeah, it's great that there's going to be a new iPhone. Like, woohoo! That's I mean, that really is cool, but it doesn't really matter. You know, and and I think that's that's something I'm that so, a lot I'm of people. I'm so sorry, do. Mike. Ugh, I'm so sorry. Ugh. Oh, Stephen. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephen. Stephen, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean, I apologize. I, I, that, I'm sorry. I'm kind of. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a heavy, it's a heavy thing to to drop on a podcast. But uh, yeah, I, knew, I knew it was Stephen. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here being a being a, a weepy dad. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, that, that's fine. But you know, no worries. You know, but it's it. That that whole thing, and, and, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but about my feeling is the thing with your dad with cranking. Like that's a milestone in my life that that changed a lot of things, and and kind of resorted the the value list a little bit. Well, thanks for saying that. I, if something that comes up I, I, a lot on. Uh, the, the show I do with Dan, I, I think one reason there's something that comes up a lot, which is this. I don't know how to phrase this. Like, have you caught up? Have you caught up uh, mentally and emotionally with, with where you'd like to be versus where you actually are? Uh, by, by which I mean, uh, we talked. We kind of talked about this on the last episode of our show, but um, this idea that I, I think there's a very, very natural thing that happens with people um, on, on on many, many levels, which is that we get comfortable with a certain kind of thing. Even if it's something we don't like, even if it's something we despise, we get comfortable with it. Look at people who've been married for 50 years and hate each other, but it's a comfortable kind of hate. Um, hate's a strong word, but I think you've met people, probably met people like this. You, you meet people who don't like their job and all they do is sit around all day talking about how they don't like their job, but they haven't reached a point where it's become so intolerable to them that they find the courage to even consider that something should change, which doesn't mean quit your job. It doesn't mean get divorced. It means accept that emotion that you have inside of you and try to turn it into something more functional. Um, and this goes way back to, to uh, something I really believe in, which is having to do with how you f- choose to focus your attention on things. So I, I don't have, uh, on the face of it, I don't have a problem with people who like iPhones. Um, I, I, I don't, on the face of it, even have a problem with people who gobble up gadget blogs all day. If that's making you happy, that's great. But I mean, for myself, I, I, the step back that I've had to take from as you say, the um, unwieldiness of, of mini RSS feeds or of the, you know, looking at something like Google News. It's, mm. um, the thing that I try to keep in mind is that, first of all, anything that I do repeatedly is going to become the thing that I do, whether I, whether I like it or not. Uh, you know, people have misquoted Aristotle about this, but, you know, I think it was actually Will Durant that said this in writing uh, his book on philosophy, but, you know, that, you know, uh, something like, uh, we are what we do repeatedly. You know, we whatever you do over and over is who you are. Who you say you are doesn't mean. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> what matters is what you do a lot. And and in in terms of the iPhones and the gadgets, if that's helping you make better decisions and helping you see the world better and helping you become the person you want to be, that's great. Now, is that really lofty? Yeah, it is. But you also then become so – if you become an iPhone guy, you become so invested in the way you've spent your time that you get dug in. You get super dug into this idea that you start, you start inflating the importance of what you do to where you can't change. You can't talk yourself out of it. You start making your brand so top of mind 
that you, you can't be wrong. You can't evolve. You can't say you're sorry. You can't go screw this, you know, because now you're invested in that and you don't want to be quote unquote wrong. And so do, is that lofty? Well, it's, it's only lofty if you don't care about how you spend your time and how you focus your attention. You know, it, it's, it's another one of these terrible paradoxes that people would be very uncomfortable with if they ever acknowledge them. Right? There's nothing wrong with Facebook. There's nothing wrong with Twitter. As long as you're okay with how much time and attention you give to it. And if you don't, then you're, you're going to be a mess. I mean, if you write, if, you, if, you're doing, if you're doing cancer research and you don't feel like you're doing good cancer research, that's, that's not going to be any better than somebody who's writing about iPhones 12 times a day. You know, every minute costs the same. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of accepting that whatever you do over and over is who you are, period, full stop, end of story. If, if somebody has some kind of proof to, to the uh, – I mean, unless you're living in the matrix or something, I don't know how you get past that. If you, if you watch TV for 12 hours a day, you're probably – and you're not writing or you're not even about iPhones, you're somebody who watches TV a lot. You may think that you're somebody who's a chef because you watch a lot of cooking shows. But, you know, all the time that you're watching those shows, unless you can quote-unquote multitask, you're not actually cooking. You're not getting better. And, and, you know, it's so easy to get into these things. The way I like to say it is it's something that gets the hook in. It's something I understand. And once we reach a level of expertise and experience with something that makes us feel like we've mastered it, even if whether that's masturbation or tagging MP3s, we tend to get really into it. And we're so into it that we don't unseat ourselves. So it isn't a matter of being heroic. Sometimes we just need to say something in front of people in order for it to be real. And I, I try not to overdo that too much anymore, but I'm fortunate to have a platform like the show with Dan mm-hmm. to, to talk about that and think out loud in public. But um, I'm not sure why I said all of that. But, <laughs> but thank, thank you for saying that about cranking. It was hard to write and hard to read, and it was really hard to send to my editor as my chapter on email. But uh, it was important for me because I had to... I had to get something out there that I knew was in my mind and it started out as a desperate chapter about email to save my book and ended up as I finally realized that I don't want to work with people who are going to stop my book that I hate writing. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I hate writing this book. I know they're not going to support it. I know that the, I haven't said this publicly, but if you're in a nut, if I had to explain what happened with my book, it would be this. We hate, we hate the 35,000 words you've given us and now write twice as much. After watching my daughter outgrow her clothes and, uh, and learn words. And I just had to say, you know what? I didn't realize how much I felt this way until I wrote that. And that's why writing is special and why, in my case, it's really important to use that medium for more than talking about iPhones. Because it's not helping me make better decisions and it's not helping me figure out who I am. Because I don't want to be iPhone guy. I'm gonna, I want to talk to you about that in a moment, actually, when we talk about podcasting. Speaking of advertising. Yeah, speaking of advertising. How did you see this is this is how you know Merlin is a pro now. He knew that I was segueing into an ad. Can I tell you about something I like? You can. <laughs> well, I'm gonna talk talk to you about DocuSign and you can feel free to tell me about it if you like it. I'm gonna see keys in my mic off so I don't interrupt you. That's not a problem at all. So um DocuSign has joined us again um this week to sponsor this inaugural episode of Command Space. So DocuSign is the easiest and most secure way to add signatures to a document no matter where you are. They are used by over twenty million people. They are the premier service to add digital signatures to documents. As we've spoken about before, they support all file formats, including Microsoft Word, Excel, if you're unfortunate enough to use them, um, and they support many others as well, PDFs and stuff like that. 
you can upload documents directly to DocuSign um, and their online service, or you can use existing cloud services like Dropbox, Box.net, Google Docs, and such to get your documents in. So the great thing about DocuSign is they allow you to, as I say, upload a document to them. You can mark out all the areas you need somebody to sign. So if you've got a contract, um, a lot of a lot. I know a lot of real estate people use this. And it works great for them. Um, and as well, all DocuSign documents are fully legally binding, which is excellent. There are people that actually complete their home purchases using DocuSign, which just blows my mind that you know we can do stuff like that and you don't have to have 25,000 pieces of paper floating around. So once you upload a document to DocuSign, you can add digital sign here labels to your documents, um, including things like um, fields for addresses and for people to print their name. And when somebody receives a document that you sent to them by email directly through DocuSign's server um, and through their service, they get like taken through each section so when they open it up in their web browser it will say sign here put your address here sign here so it makes sure that nobody misses that important signature or initial and make sure that the document gets done right every time first time they have amazing apps for the iphone ipad and android so you can access sign and send your documents on the go so you can sign using the touch screen as well so a lot of people would love to do that they have webinars, great community forums, tutorials and stuff to help you get the most out of your uh, service with them and also to help you know, people in your company or, you know, or your clients understand how, doc- how great DocuSign is. I want you to go and check this out and we can give you a 30-day free trial to do so. Go to DocuSign.com, that's D-O-C-U-S-I-G-N.com forward slash 70 decibels, 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S and you can start your 30-day free trial. DocuSign allows you to sign anytime, any place, and on any device. It's totally safe, secure, and legally binding. I want to thank DocuSign for sponsoring. Merlin, you can come back to us now. Hi, I'm back. Hi, how are you? Hi. I'm, I'm quite well. Uh, how are you, uh, Stephen? I'm, God, I'm great. so bad. No, I was talking to the other Stephen. I'm so sorry I, I called <laughs> you the wrong name. You caught me off guard. That's okay. Mike and I are, are basically the same person. Yeah, we just have different there's, there's, po- there's another podcast out there where, where two, two guys are named Mike. It would be really useful. Just, just as a quick note, if, you, if everybody had the same name on here. I'm going to call you all Chief. That would be good. Chief. Chief works. Chief like 1, that. Chief 2, like a sort of Dr. Seuss type thing. <sighs> so I mentioned that I wanted to talk to you about technology stuff. Now, we're gonna, I want to move in now to talk a bit about your podcasting history because obviously – I would I would like to think that people that listen to podcasts like to hear about podcasts. Um, I, people like listening to our episode with Dan, and, and that was all about podcasts. So that's a great episode. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, that was you made, it, you made him sound so um, not deranged, which is a gift. I, I think that's I think. Well, I, I asked him to to have a nap beforehand. Yeah, um, I think that helped. Was he drunk or something? He sounded very relaxed. I don't know. Does he ever drink? He claims like not he, to. I I feel like he he's he doesn't. Like I, I think Dan's like, got a very dark secret life that's going to come out someday, maybe in some kind of an HBO show. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Valley of Waggle game. Doesn't he seem a little bit too calm sometimes? He's like, well, that's fine for Buddha, right? Yeah, calmer than you are. <laughs> I think everybody is. Sorry, Big Lebowski. Uh, podcasting. Yeah, sure. Pod, pod, yeah, podcasting. Podcasting is, uh, is fun. So the first podcast I ever heard you on was Mac Break Weekly. <laughs> So that was a show on the Twit Network, which still exists. And you, Wikipedia tells me that you were um, part of MacBreak Weekly from 2006 to 2008. Are you kidding me? That's, that's a pretty Wiki- long time. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia tells me. Uh, I Wikipedia is always right. I think it also says you burnt out from the show. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Well, I saw that I guess somewhere. I, have. I think that might have been on the Twit Wiki. Ah, the, the Twit Wiki. Twit Wiki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you seen hey, uh, Aunt Sue? Have you been keeping up with the TwitWiki? <laughs> hey, Mr. TwitWiki. It's user edited. <laughs> the first podcast that I remember ever being on, ever, 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 was um, Amber MacArthur and Leo Laporte had me on her show. And I think that was the first podcast I was ever on. And then at some point after that, Leo asked me to, I, I, you know, I really don't remember. I'm old. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. MacBook really. Before, but even I think before that, um, I'm sick, so I have to cough. That's you a couldn't key. tell there. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently, I have a mute button. I just don't use it. Uh, but uh, and that was really, really fun. And I, if you go, I don't even know if it's still out there. But I was pretty calm. I don't know what happened. But um, no, I, I did a. I was hanging out. <laughs> this is the kind of thing Dan hates. I was at Odeo. Uh, I, I had gone to Odeo, which was uh, Evan Williams's predecessor to uh, Twitter, his podcasting thing. And Ev had asked me to come out and do a talk to his like ten employees or whatever it was on David Allen's uh, Getting Things Done system. Just you know, Getting Things Done is a copyright of David Coe, two thousand one. But I went on and did a talk, and I hung out, and I started hanging out there. My my friends at uh, Mule Design were like right across the hall from them, so I just go to the cannery and hang out sometimes. And and I was just one day they were like, hey, you know, they interviewed me for a podcast there, and they said, hey, you know, you should go do a podcast because podcast, podcast, podcast. And so I did. I started one for forty three folders, which is really weird. It was just me talking. It was by myself. But that was my first, I think, that was my first ongoing experience. But yeah, then MacBreak Weekly, which is uh, as the as it says on the tin, a weekly show. I guess I guess I did that for a pretty long time. Yeah, I mean. I- that's what I remember. It was, it's a very popular show. Do, yeah. do, do you know that, Mike? It's a very popular program. I, I listen. I am a listener. You still listen? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. Awesome. <laughs> no, no, that, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just asking. I Apparently, I got burnt out. So that's. Is there anything else I should know? You know what? Don't look at I don't even want to know what don't, Wikipedia is. Don't look at Wikipedia. I don't look at it. I can't look at it. So, that, I mean, during that time, especially being on that show, I guess you were an Apple pundit, right? For a while. Yes, in retrospect, I suppose I was an Apple pundit. It seems so insane now. But yeah, I, I like doing that show, especially for, you know, I, I did get burnt out on it. There's, there's some things about that show that started driving me a little crazy that, you know, kind of never, had, the story's never been told. But I love, I love those guys to death. But uh, yeah, I was bad at it. I was really bad at it. I, I just so. want to talk about applications. I always was like, hey, can we do a show on text editors? And like, it became a running joke, like, you know, what OLED monitor rumors are we going to talk about this week? And I just, it didn't feel like my gig anymore. And people loved it. So mm-hmm. who was I to say, you know? I mean, I remember the yellow submarine iPod running run <laughs> joke. <laughs> you know, there's a like, great line in, uh, you're asking about uh, Long Winters. There's a great line mm-hmm. in um, a Long Winters song called Car Parts where he says, um, at, least, at least my watch is right two times a day, mm-hmm. right? You know that phrase, even yeah. a stop clock is wrong, is, is, even, even a stop, stop clock is right twice a day. And uh, that's how I felt with the yellow submarine thing. I pulled that out of my behind, and I, you know, I thought maybe if I wait long enough, if you account for all the different Marvel alternative universes, eventually, someday, there will be a yellow submarine iPod, and I will get my due for being a, uh, an oracle of, of these things. <laughs> well, it just seemed like it would be. It was a total joke. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely a completely on the show, in the middle of talking about all these rumors. It was like every few weeks, it was like, will 
Apple put out the Beatles catalog for a long time. It became, mm. and I would sit yep. there and like prognosticate. And Alex would talk about how he wished he could rent music from iTunes, and we talk about Audible. And then, and then I would, I would, <laughs> I, I made this crack. I was like, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be a yellow iPod. It's going to be a yellow submarine iPod. And and then like a bunch of people got that it was a bit. And it became a running joke, but I think some people, I, feel like, <laughs> I think at least a handful yeah. of people thought it was a genuine like thing I thought was going to happen. I feel like it became a rumor for a while as well. Like, I, I mean, Merlin in a says. world with the U2 iPod, anything seems possible. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so the U2 iPod, it, it's, it starts out a little bit rough. It gets good for a while, and then it mostly just sucks and wears big glasses. Pretty much. Sorry, he's, he's Irish, right? You don't mind that. Uh, no no offense, right, Mike? I don't think Bono is of this world anymore. Yeah, you ever heard that joke? Yeah, I have, yeah. Okay, we should talk about it after dark. It's a great joke. <laughs> so, you you know, you decided Long to Time, st- Long Time was a very popular show. I didn't even realize Leo told me one day how popular it was. Mm. And I I'm I'm, you know what? I am being dead serious. I knew it was a popular show. I did it cuz it was fun mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of dough in it. I just really liked it. It was it was fun and I liked the I liked making fun of Scott Bourne and his and his what did I say his yacht wax or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know it was that was really amusing and uh, it was a very fun show to do and to this day I'm I'm eternally grateful to Leo for being so generous uh, with me for having him on you know the video show that he used to have and it's it's how I met a lot of great people it's how I met Ben Durbin who like became this great pal of mine that has produced stuff for me. And uh, it was a great experience to be on Mac Quickly. I think that's actually led into the next part. I think, to my memory, I'd be very surprised if I'm right with this. Ben helped you produce the Merlin show? Oh, man. He, yes, absolutely. He more than helped. So just for slight context for folks who listen to podcasts, and God save you. But um, Ben used to work at Pixelcore with uh, Alex Lindsay and did a lot of stuff at Pixelcore. I mean, he just... You know, Alex. Alex goes off on a tear for thirty-six hours, and Ben would act on that as well as keeping everything else going. I love Alex. I'm, when I've listened to Mac Break Weekly recently, he's kind of my favorite on the show now. I really, I really like Alex. No, I love Andy too, but I mean, Alex. I think Alex has really uh, come into his own on that show. But um, yeah, Ben worked there. He did tons of stuff. Ben's just brilliant. He helped me. He was the he was the tech person who moved 43 folders from WordPress to Drupal, which was so much more work than it sounds like. But yeah, he's a great guy, and I still have lunch with him every couple of weeks across the street here. Don't be creepy. But Ben's the best, and now he's so busy with Drupal stuff. He's like the Drupal king now. But uh, yeah, 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 we did, did the Merlin Show, which is a short-lived uh, video show mm. that I, I loved a lot, but I also learned a lot from, to be honest. There's an episode of Jonathan Colton that you linked to actually quite recently, um, and I rewatched it, and uh, that, was re- that was really good. That was that was a, a very very good, and because I remember you saying at the time in that you just found out that you were about to have a daughter. Yeah, it's funny. My 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 wife constantly reminds me how poor my memory is about the exact time frame, but um, it might have been when we were, as they say, uh, trying. But I'm pretty sure it's like after we did the little test and found out. And so it's funny. I want to go back and watch that. There's a point. And when I say thank you, I should really say thank you to Jonathan because he was so gracious to do that. It was before he did a sound check. And I was just a huge fanboy. And I, I took a shot in the dark and said, hi, you don't know me, but I really like you. Can I do an interview with you? And he was so gracious about it. And now we're really good pals, and, which is, again, like what more can you ask for? than doing something you know, with somebody, trying something out, and now... Anyway, whatever. It's it's he's a great pal, and I like the guy a lot. But yeah, he talked about that song "You Ruined Everything," Peren, mm-hmm. in the nicest way, which is one of my favorite Jonathan Colton songs. And uh, he's a great guy. I really uh, that sh- that show was, as I say, short live because we realized it, it, it turned out to be so much work. 
just to do a two camera setup and edit it, you know, at 720p. I didn't even know what that meant then. And it was just, even just getting it up on Drupal was, was like, I like Drupal, I'm kind of moving away from it for other things, but it was so much work. And everybody said the same thing. They were like, no, no, you should be doing like one minute videos, two minute videos. Like nobody's going to watch a 15 minute video. But I, I, I really, as much as I feel like I, I've moved away from the whole bits and bytes part of what people do, I, I'm still really interested on how, in, in how successful, not successful people, in how people whose work I enjoy are, are able to create it. Yeah. Because so much of the time you find out there's very little black magic. You find out that Jonathan Colton had to sit there in his kid's room while she was taking a nap and try to figure out a song to write that week. Yeah. Um, I'm, again, I've derailed you. But uh, yeah. it was a really fun series to do, but we just dropped it out of nowhere because it, it was just too much to do. I mean, video but, podcasts in 2007, I mean, that was ambitious. Yeah, and I mean, to this day, I've, I've still got to cancel the stupid Libsyn account. I've got two different Libsyn accounts. I'm paying 100 bucks a month for Libsyn, which just kills what? me. But I've Why got... Why um, so much? We use Libsyn. What, what plan are you, are you on? <laughs> you I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the... I'm not going to say anything mean on this show plan. Um <laughs> uh, You know, there didn't used to be anything like Dropbox. There didn't used to be... Like, you know, uh, Amazon S3 or whatever it's called. You know what I mean? It's like you had to have a place to put stuff and unmetered bandwidth, yeah. you know, helped a lot. But anyhow, uh, you know, it's funny. I talked, you know, I, I talked to my kids, uh, people who are interested in, in doing a thing. And I'm always happy to talk with them about like mistakes I've made or what I would suggest. And I've got a lot of suggestions for people who want to start a new thing. But one of them is think really carefully about whether you want to do video. Unless you've got a studio and a staff and a budget. It seems like it would be a little more work, but it's actually an astounding amount more work. I did a thing for a while, what was it called? Most Days, where I, I decided for a while I wanted to make a video a day. And it was easy enough to talk into the camera unprepared. Some people really liked it. But just even getting it up every day was like such a pain. It's like it really is like an, almost like an order of magnitude more work to do video. And that was a lesson that I took away. I was like, oh, this audio thing is easy. I just show up and talk, which is not hard for me. No. The video, like I gotta comb my hair, I gotta put on pants, I gotta go somewhere, I gotta talk to people who are better than me, and like, you know, who wants to do that? Well, I do. Nope. But you look nice today was next, right? <laughs> Is anybody gonna be even vaguely interested in this? I think so. I mean, I think that you misunderestimate how much people like to hear you talk. That is very, very made up and sweet of you to say. Well, I'll let you know how many people download this as opposed to normal. I wish you would. I then, wish you would. It makes then, me extremely then. uncomfortable. <laughs> I, would you like a pie graph? I could do like some sort of pie chart. Oh, you could do, you're going to bust in a Simcoe? You're going yeah. to drop a chart boy? Chart boy. Well, first time you, I heard you say that. Vis-a-vis Nokia? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I am not going to sandbag on this. I effing love You Look Nice Today. It yeah. is... I really, really like doing Roderick on the line now so much. It's it's pretty close to me liking it as much as You Look Nice Today, but You Look Nice Today is special. It really, it, it's very special to me. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. I really, really like that show. I'm really proud of that show, even though I'm the third funniest person on it and the least important in terms of production. I treasure episodes of that show. I, I just have to be honest. I could sit here and go, yeah, well, it's really bad. But like when I hear Scott Simpson talk about potentifying our income bucket, I still laugh every time I hear it. Because Scott Simpson is the funniest person I know, even though he has a very small torso. I think that's acceptable. Yeah. So Maybe I in think, England. I think, I mean, it started in 2008. 
and it was a shock to a lot of people i think the the type of show it was i don't think there were many podcasts like it at the time at very high production values um for a, a, like an independent show um you know you have like the john hodgman interstitials and stuff like that and um it went away like they were <laughs> for all of 2011 can we talk about the good part first yeah of course um that's actually a good episode the good part and it's back. It was. It was certainly not the first three white guys sitting around talking about nothing. Show. I mean, in some ways, that's what made podcasting so frustrating to me for a long time. Was it really? I, I, you can take this too far, but it was like three Van Hoots talking about Ubuntu. You know, there was, and it would just go on for two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm certainly guilty of that as much as anybody now. But the, you know, there, I, I felt like it was. It was unusual. It certainly spawned its imitators, uh, for better or for worse. Some of them are great, but. Yeah, the, the, well, I think what made the show different was the editing, the fact that Adam would edit it so carefully. I mean, to be honest, one, way, one reason I got frustrated with MacBreak Weekly was I always felt like there was a lot of stuff that didn't need to be in there. And the weeks that I felt like the most focused person on the show was always really odd and frustrating to me. Whereas once Adam started editing the show and started doing things like the fish stick episode, sex Manelli disease. Like when he started dropping in like little bits of music and stuff, I was like, yeah. see this, this is what a podcast should be is either editing so tightly that editing so tightly doesn't feel like editing or, or editing so handsomely that you realize somebody really cares about you liking it. Yeah. And Adam cares so much. And just, just to cut right to the chase, the reason we quote unquote stopped doing it was you would not if i told you the number of hours adam used to spend on an episode you would not believe me you would adam has spent i think upwards of 10 hours on an episode yeah and so that that is onerous for somebody who's trying to bootstrap a video business Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i mean i could talk forever about that show we got a new one coming out tomorrow it's pretty good yeah so it comes out monthly now drop it on the deuce boom (laughs) second of every month which is a great <laughs> yes, as, as you say. Yes, yes. <laughs> in, in Britain we call that second of the month. Um, yes, rather. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a great show. I mean, um, and I know that a lot of people are very happy that it came back, and it sort of came back out of nowhere as well, which was exciting for many. It came out of nowhere for us too. <laughs> it just happened. Just, all of a sudden, just showed up. <laughs> no, I, I crap you not. Like we got an email one day from Adam, uh, and he said, "Well, here's the thing. My uh, a guy, uh, what do we call him, Klaus, but his friend turned." Um, his intern slash friend had never heard the show t- until two weeks prior to this happening, and he was instantly like a super fan. He's like, "You got any more of these?" He's like, "Yeah, we got like four of these that we haven't done anything with." And he took them and he edited it. And Adam apparently listened to it and went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and uh, he sent it to us, and and then Scott and I like simultaneously urinated all over California because we were like, <laughs> "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Because, you know, we don't want to bug Adam about it, but Scott and I have been like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I wish we could do the show again. I wish we could do the show again. Adam's been so busy. But we heard that, and we were, like, so excited. So now his friend turn takes the first cut at every episode, and then Adam kind of finishes it off with his special Adamness. But right. it's, it's really the, – the kid really gets what the show should sound like. And so it's so nice to have it back. It's, it's weird. I, you know, my wife is an athlete. And she run, runs marathons, not, not so much anymore since we got the, the zygote. But she, she's an athlete, and she feels so much better when she works out. She feels so much better when she runs. Yeah, it's, first of all, she gets 20 minutes to herself. But have you ever met people who have to exercise? Yep. Like, there's some people who have to exercise. There's some people who have to sing. And in the case of this show, I'm so happy with how that show turns out after it has been 
dealt with by Adam that, you know, is there something nice about seeing a better version of yourself alongside other people being a better version of themselves? And that's that's about as, as funny as I can be uh, because of those guys. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's You miss that. You miss that gratifying feeling of going, like, I want to see the better version of myself come out often. I mean, yeah. It's funny. We I, sit around and we talk about things. There's fake businesses. We talk <laughs> about, you know, being awkward. And we uh, we make fun of Adam a little bit, and and then it's uh, it's pretty sticky. I you know I mean it's it's really caught on over the years. You know it's the genesis of my Carl Van Hoot character. It's you know it's a very important program for sure. <laughs> I, I know the nerds in my department at work. When the first episode came back, I, I don't think they I don't think anything happened. It was just everybody has to stop and listen to the show. That was a good one. Dazzle's a pretty good one. Yeah. But it's it's really yeah. it's really fun. And I mean, like, you know, it, I don't mean this to turn into like me giving myself flowers for an hour, but uh or uh, forty seven minutes or whatever it is. But um but I think there's something instructive here, which is that like once you start being excited about what you're doing, it's kind of hard to go back. And you'll you'll find a way to try and make it work once you're excited about it, you know? One problem with being a teenager, and there are just so many problems with being a teenager. One problem with being a teenager is you you mainly focus on what you don't want to do and what you don't like and who you don't want to be. And one nice byproduct of getting a little bit older, if you choose to accept it, is that if you follow things you're excited about, you'll find more things you're excited about. And if you stay in that mode of just not knowing what you want, you don't really go anywhere but down. So, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but like anybody who's had a productive day knows what this feels like. Anybody who's had an un- un- everybody's had this. Suddenly out of nowhere you have an uncommonly productive morning for reasons you can't understand. You didn't do anything differently, but you got 10 things done instead of nothing and you feel so buoyed and you go like, "Oh my god, I I, I want to do this every day. I I could punch I could punch any task in the face right now. It's the best feeling." And 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 that's what it feels like when one of those episodes comes out for me is like I'm just so excited. And one thing that made the book hard, to be honest, is like I couldn't everything I was the process I was going through with that hateful thing, I hated what I was making and I didn't have anything to show for it, which is hard for an exhibitionist like me. But thank you for saying that. It, I, I really like the show a lot and I'm super glad that it's back. So I mean we've sort of entered into where you are now. Um, so you have at the moment that the which is talking about myself on other people's podcasts for a living. My God, I hate this myself. Is, it's an interview. You know, we, can, uh, we, have, uh, we need to talk about. We should interview you. you. It's your show. This <laughs> is your new show. That would be so weird. Um, maybe yeah. another time. So we've got right. you look nice today. Back to work and Roderick on the line. Um, back to work and Roderick on the line. They both they they were both they both started in, in 2011. January and September, respectively. Again, this is, is that Wikipedia, right? This is Wikipedia. They the same year? Yeah, Wikipedia tells me this. Huh. Of, course, of course it's correct. So uh, Back to Work is a, a show on 5x5, five five, and it kind of you, you've been doing it for over a year now. Um, so And it was kind of, to my knowledge, Back to Work sort of helped, from I think, from an outsider's perspective. Um, it helped boost... Five by five, and more shows come off of it. I think the talk show was running then, and then when you joined, and you know, since then there's been you know, five five by five is a great network. We're big fans of it here, and there's great you know great people like yourself on it. And um, from what we can understand, you knew Dan before um, Back to Work started. 
Yeah, yeah. We covered this a little bit in the in the very first episode with Dan's typical fabulism. But Dan, I've been on a couple of dance shows. I've been on the conversation, I don't know, two, three, four times. And he'd interviewed me for the pipeline, which is an episode I'm really proud of. He did a, he did a really good job in that. And uh and he'd asked me for a long time, you gotta do a show, you gotta do a show, you gotta do this stuff. And I was like, oh, I can't, I have to do this thing I hate for another year. And uh and finally I had this experience that I've never really completely talked about, but I came back from a speaking gig in whatever that was, January of 2011. And first of all, I was like, I never want to do another speaking gig again. I hate this. I don't feel like I'm helping people. I'm not having fun. I'm tired of talking about money. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That didn't fully settle into my mind until I'd been doing the show with Dan for a while. Is there a pattern here? Yes, there is. Um, but I just called Dan and literally, I think it was the next day. It might have been two days later. But I, I just I emailed Dan and I was like, let's do a show. And that was it. I mean, I, I, my hand to God, I think it was a Sunday. And then we recorded on Monday or Tuesday. I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It wasn't something where we, we had one, like, two-hour phone call about how it would work. I told him what I wanted out of it. I told him what he could expect from me out of it, which was that the notoriously sketchy Merlin man would do a show every week. And, uh, and I, I really am super proud of it, and I love working with Dan. As much as he is truly an inscrutable pod person who is a little deranged, he is so great to work with. He's so talented. And it's been great for me in like 10 different ways to do that show. And I feel like I've found my place with that show where like if there's any way I can quote unquote help people. Now, John Roderick helps a lot of people. I will never help as many people as John Roderick because he's so helpful. But, um, but I, the email that I get from people is like sob inducing. It's so nice. It's with the stuff that we talk about after we shuck and jive for half of the show is, is really straight from my heart. And, and sometimes it's an angry part of my heart, but it's always from a part of my heart where I'm like, my God, how can you tolerate not being happier with who you are? <laughs> and I know because that's me talking to myself. And when it comes out on that show, Dan's a perfect foil for it. He's a very generous, straight man. Uh, and we just did a, what, our 78th episode? Mm. I got it in a good time, though, because Hypercritical had only been around. John Syracuse's wonderful uh, five-hour weekly podcast had only been on for a few weeks. And I think Marco and I start. Marco does build and analyze. Marco from Instapaper, who's the best. Um, our show started, I think, almost exactly the same week. I think we're yeah. almost episode for episode at this point. Um, I can't yeah, even and imagine. so like the four kind of biggest shows on Five by Five were, you know, obviously the talk show had been around for a while before that. But it was it was an exciting time, um, and I'm, I'm I'm proud of Five by Five. I'm proud of Dan, and I'm I'm very happy to be associated with that whole uh, racket. Can't even imagine how busy he must have been that week, getting all that done. Like even there's because you're right, it's like a couple of weeks, and there were a bunch of new shows. Um, I think one of the reasons, well, a couple of reasons for me, like as, as a listener to Back to Work, that I think the show works is, is like one, it the, the relationship that you and Dan have is. Um, it's, it you know it seems to be a close friendship, and I think that really helps. Um, and also, I think that it's now kind of the outlet for the forty three folders, Merlin, um, and it allows you to you know it's not the same stuff like it's not life hacks, but it's kind of like how to be better at what you do. Um, and I think it's it's great like as 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 listeners and as fans of. of you know people that are fans of what you do to to get that outlet again because that went away for a long time mm-hmm. and and you i mean you, you are good at this stuff is you know it, i assume that the talks that you do are you know based around the same sort of ideas um so i think it's great 
that back to work exists and i know that when you say about the email that you get i know it helps a lot of people it has helped me make decisions about what i want to do with the network you know especially the block of shows that's that's so nice of you to say the block of shows where dan was telling me to quit my job um (laughs) it helped you know because this is what i want to do so dangerous he's he seems so nice but he's so dangerous dangerous man he's He's like he's like a loaded gun on a string some little kid's swinging around just a terrible (laughs) terrible idea that Dan. that's so that's so nice of you to say so, I mean, do, do you see it that way? Do you see Back to Work as, as the outlet for, for that sort of stuff? Well, while you were sitting there complimenting me, uh, something occurred to me. I'm remembering this day, uh, this, <laughs> this morning in um, 1990. Um, the night before, I was inconsolable about a, a woman I had been in love with for months who, who, who wouldn't give me the time of day. And if memory serves, I drank two quarts of malt liquor, uh, 89-cent a bottle malt liquor, and then I, I set into some Clan McGregor scotch. And if, if you're if you're someone who enjoys a fine whiskey, I really recommend a flask of Clan McGregor. And uh, I went went over and said, "My friend Michael Toss, I doused myself in patchouli. I have every sense memory of all of this." And then he played me Teenage Fan Club's "Everything Flows" for the first time. It became my first favorite song of the '90s. So many clear memories of this night, drunk as I was. And the next morning, I had the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. And I vomited every hour on the hour for about 12 hours. And I sat and watched the Madonna-thon on MTV, every Madonna video in chronological order, and I vomited all day long. I'm not surprised. That's why and, you were vomiting. <laughs> she's a very talented lady. Um, and and a very talented entrepreneur. Um, why do I tell you this? Because first of all, man, Teenage Fan Club's so good. And that single, what an amazing single. Uh, now, they're from Scotland. I, I don't want to start a whole thing here. But... Uh, it wasn't until a few days later that I realized that I was purging more than alcohol that day. That in some ways, in this brutally painful way, I was also purging this awful, like, I just couldn't get rid of this feeling about this person. And uh, it's really stupid to say that, but maybe it took me vomiting every hour to finally start getting that out of my system and to realize that obviously I, I had not gotten to a healthy place with my feeling about that. And as you said that, I was thinking, I feel like for 78 episodes, I've still been vomiting out everything I wanted to say in that goddamn book that I felt like I couldn't say. It hurt me so much when I was writing that to feel the constant strain, mostly self-created, of what I should be writing about. And now today, I yell at myself every week on that show in some ways. Really. When I'm yelling at you, I'm yelling at me. This has been true for 43 folders. It's true now. When I'm yelling at you about doing what you really care about or I'm yelling, yelling at you about deceiving yourself um, about how you choose to spend your time. That's me. That's me yelling at me. That's my, that's my kid a block away watching Toy Story without me. And, and I, that emesis that I have enjoyed over the last 78 episodes, it's still coming out. I might have five more years in me. You know? So that started in a dark place, but I still love talking about the tips and tricks stuff. I did an episode of that Mac Power Users because apparently all I do is podcasts. That Mac Power Users where I, you know, once a year I go on Mac Power Users and talk you know, specific tips and tricks stuff. But it's a great opportunity for me to think out loud. Marco has said this about Build and Analyze, that he thinks about, you know, Gruber has said that the talk show is the director's, what does he say, the director's commentary for Daring Fireball? Yeah. And I think Marco has talked about um, uh, Build and Analyze sort of being uh, his, like, whatever, like, first draft of stuff that he'll eventually write about. And I, I just feel like I'm just trying to figure out life every week. I'm back to work. And the more, the more I yell or the more I, I get excited, like the more I'm almost figuring something out for a minute or two. 
So it's really gratifying to do, and you know we sell ads now, which makes us a little dough, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind. That's the closest thing I have to a job right now is doing that regularly, and and, and just on, on a totally you know quotidian mercantile basis, I'm kind of the the lead on. Unlike all the other five by five shows, I'm kind of I'm the money guy. Like I'm the guy who brings in most of the sponsors, unless unless somebody comes in kind of through the side door. But that's become my job. It, it, I know it just sounds like I show up and try to derail Dan. Um, but, but part of it also is like I, I, I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff with it. Right. Not a lot. It's a podcast. It's not hard. But it's been really good for me. The structure of that has been good for me. And in a way that drove me, it used to drive me crazy to not be able to, to figure out what I really wanted to say. It drove me crazy to not be able to share it once I figured out what I wanted to say. And it really, really drove me crazy that I had a feeling I was going to throw everything down the well when this publisher, in my opinion, was, was, had no idea what to even do with what I was trying to say. And I was saying it poorly. And so with back back to work, I feel like it's it's a, anyway. It feels like wins all around. It's not for everybody. You don't have to listen to it every week, but eventually with the wiki, we hope to go back and do sort of a topic index. Um, you know, someday in the future when you can link to certain parts of uh, audio, I think it's going to be really useful to people to say, "Hey, look, if you want to go figure out why you're not inspired, go listen to this five minute segment of the show." We've talked about maybe doing what uh, Chartboy did and maybe putting out excerpts as a book. I don't know if that's something people would be interested in, but we've talked about that. But yeah, you know, I, I sound so self-involved because I am, but it's really fun to do something you like. It's really just so fun. And it is fine for Merlin, which is a t-shirt you can buy, but it, it is really so fun to do. And the delta between doing something you're genuinely excited to do every day versus doing something you're kind of dreading and, and you're not sleeping well because of, you know, you don't wake up one day and have that all be different. You know, Louis C.K. didn't wake up one day and was Louis C.K. He spent years doing other stuff, but I don't know. That's, 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 that's sort of the, the undertone to the show is that it's worth caring enough about what you're doing to risk, you know, doing something kind of stupid and seeing how it works out. Do, you know, we, we've kind of talked about the writing and now, and now podcasting, how much of it, do you think it's just the the difference between the mediums? Like, obviously, you're doing a lot more podcasting now, and that's like take Mike for example. Mike writes a little bit, but does mostly audio. Like, what do you think the the breakdown is between the, those two mediums and how and how they're approached differently? Wow, I think they're really, really quite different. Um, and I just, in terms of you know, just to be totally candid, I mean the. I have much more access to the part of my brain that lets me do what we're doing right now than in producing writing that I'm extremely pleased with or or can live with even. It's a lot of work to write, and that's just how it is. Uh, it can be really, really uh, gratifying to, to do as well. You know what I mean? Like it's once you've put out something, I've written maybe five or six things um, that I'm that I'm really really proud of, but it's a lot of work, and I just don't know where it would go right now. To be honest, I don't want to write a book. I never wanted to write a book. Putting out having an idea the idea of like putting out a blog or doing like a curated link blog makes me want to kill myself. Like I would never want to do that right now. I just don't see the benefit in it. For, you know, but you know that's just not my medium anymore. I love writing. I just don't know where it would go. I don't like really. I don't love writing for magazines. It's a lot of work for the dough, um, and I honestly I don't like doing talks so much anymore. I've got probably five emails right now from people who want to hire me for speaking gigs, and I'm just like I don't even want to have this conversation. I just hate talking about money. I want to just do the stuff. I don't want to deal with all that other junk. And like I'm in a position. I mean, I'm far from wealthy. I have a you know 
15-year-old car, but it's like that'll be okay for now, you know, because I get to be more the person I'd like to be. Uh, and if I want to write, I'll find a good place to write. But I can't get away from this idea of the platform. And John Hodgman hates it when I credit him with this because it sounds so douchey. But he really inspired me with the idea of the platform. Like you make decisions about what to do based on how it helps the platform. And the platform whatever is whatever it is you want to do next. Like what I want to do next is do more live shows, for example. Uh, there's some stuff I can't talk about right this sec. But there's some stuff I want to do with people that we've talked about on this show. We're looking at doing some live shows. I want to do more of that. I want to keep figuring out what the next thing is that is as not hard for me to produce as this, but still challenges me to do something new and different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we talk about this on the show all the time on, on Back to Work, but like people really seem to feel sometimes like it's not work if you like it. And like I, I, I want to increase the level of challenge while reducing the complexity of putting it out, you know? This is this is something that's become important to me. I haven't talked a lot about this, but I feel like it, it, one version of success or one version, yeah, one version of success that I really like is that in some ways your life should become true success. Your life should become less rather than more complex. When you're in college and you got to have three jobs, you're not very successful and your life is very complex. When I'm at the point where I'm sitting on the phone with a bunch of people who don't want to pay money for me to speak, like that's complexity for not that much return. It's really easy for me to sit in front of the mic and talk, but it also challenges me to try and say something. As, as low as my standards might be, I try really hard to do a good job on every show that I do. And that's just it for now. I don't know what it'll be next week. I don't know what it'll be next year. But I've become so okay with that because that being okay with it in a really weird lizard brain way is, is what makes the current thing interesting. And it makes me not dig in and just go, oh, it has to be more like this way. The episode of Roderick on the Line that's going to go up later today is going to be so weird because it's our we've joked forever about doing a show called Hitler and stuff, oh. and there's like 40 minutes of this show yes. that is was very <laughs> difficult to do, and it's going to be very difficult to listen to because it's not about dead rubber girls, and it's it's not about you know pump chili. It's about John and I talking about a real human tragedy, wow. and it's going to be super duper weird for people to listen to. It makes me realize we cannot do a jokey show about Hitler. And it makes me also realize how much John and I care about something that we really joke about. It's going to be super weird. I almost didn't put it out. I'm really looking out. forward to it. I mean, I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, for don't a while. look too forward to it. It's got a great <laughs> Instapaper ad in it. But uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this stuff without sounding like a dick. But, uh, you know, it's just when, when people say things like that, you know, that's fine for Merlin line. Like, that's a funny line. But. You know, I, when I get really full of beans on the show, sometimes I end up saying the same thing. Well, what's going to be fine for you? Like, you know, you don't have to be Soren Kierkegaard to understand that, like, this is all up to you. And that, like, whatever you do is what you become okay with. And whatever you do, whatever you put up with is, like, who you become. Whatever voices you allow to persistently come into your ears, so to speak, is going to be the voice that you hear. It's the voice that you are. And, you know, I don't know how you get around that. Like, do you want to spend, like, a ton of time being around people who don't respect you to the point where, like, you don't want to be respected because you think that's how you are? I just don't know how you get around that without having the arrogance to say, it's okay for me to make my life a little better. You can hear me apologizing for it because I still think it's hard to talk about. But the, the, the culture of populism that we've arrived at today is that, in America at least, it's unseemly to act like anybody who has more of anything than you actually has a problem, which is such a small way to become. 
everybody's got their problems. Everybody's got things they're good at. And, and the insmallening of the world is a really b- brutal thing to watch. Inspiration is not photos of boats and, and, and books about sitting in a hammock. Inspiration is about finding the tiniest bit of courage to try and improve your life a little bit. I'm talking too much now. Can we talk about Roderick on the line quickly before we move on? Yeah, we could, we're still going to talk about the third thing? We're going to talk we about the first thing. We should do another episode. We, well, we can, but I want to talk yep. about the third thing quickly Your show. before we yeah. finish. So, Roderick on the line, um, I just wanted to mention, I mean, I've become a big fan of the show recently. I don't know why I hadn't listened to it. Um, it was sort of one of those ones that was in my queue and I never got around to it's, it. It's, it's, it's almost unspeakably offensive. It is. I, I was talking about Roderick on the line on another show that we do. Uh, but we, we sort of talk about things that we enjoy. It's really, really bad. I said, like, if, if you... We go to very, very dark places in a way that on You Look Nice Today, the running joke for a long time was this is totally unusable. When we talk about Estelle Getty having Alzheimer's, like, this is, this is on a completely other level. Like, if you can be offended, you will be offended by Roderick on the I'm offended by it. I'm offended by what's coming out of my mouth. It's awful. <laughs> but Let alone what John says. Oh, my God. The whole is... idea of a show called Hitler and stuff? What a terrible idea. It's incredibly entertaining, though, if you can take it. <laughs> John's so serious, and he's so smart, and he's so – he has a lot of an excess of what – what does he call it? An excess of human dignity? <laughs> but the thing about, about Roderick is the more, the more you listen, you realize the man has had an incredible life. Like, and it's, it's like over 80% true. Yeah. He has, like, we still, I have still not gotten him to talk about – what the late 80s really were for him. You've probably gotten glimpses of it, but mm. it's, it's, there's no good reason why he's alive today. He should, he, should, he should have been dead every night for years. I'm not kidding. Yeah, like That's not he- funny. Like he's, he should have died many, many times. There's a, there's a track on his first album, the Long Winner's first record, um, which you should get, called The Worst You Can Do Is Harm. There's a track on there called Medicine Cabinet Pirate, and that's what he called himself. Everybody's house wow. that he went to for a party, for a visit, to help somebody move a couch, he would go into somebody, he would go and take every bit of medicine out of their, out of whatever it was. It, it, it could be diarrhea medicine, but like he would just go and like take all of their medicine. That's what John, John, John would drink until he got his teeth knocked out on a curb. I mean, he, it was bad. And, and he came out of it somebody who is not afraid of a challenge. And mm. sometimes that's talking about sex dolls, but a lot of times it's talking about, you know, culture. But he's such an interesting guy mm. that I, I hope it makes the awfulness of things we talk about tolerable. Like when he talks about all the evenings he used to sleep rough in like random countries in Europe. And it's just like, how can one man have done all of these things? I think a lot of it's made up. No, not really. I mean, he really did walk across Europe. It's an, it's yeah. an astonishing story. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of traveling, and he's he's uh, he's somebody who will get a bruise just to have something to push. You know, he's he's a really really interesting guy, and obviously a a very complicated fellow in a lot of ways. And it's a total pleasure to do. We we call yeah. it Roderick on the line because John and I used to have these calls, not as often as either of us would have liked, but he'd stay at our house every time the band came through town. And plus, we just had these phone calls sometimes. And I would say in complete jest, oh, this is funny. We should do a podcast. Well, well he'd say, what's a podcast? And I'd say, shut up. <laughs> and then, um, but we finally decided to do it. I interviewed him for Back to Work. Yeah. That's so inward turning. It's so stupid. I hope you don't put this out. Um, and it became like the pilot for the show, basically. You know, and uh, 
So every week, uh, we talk about horrible, horrible things. We talk about how cows get turned into chili from a pump. We get talked about. We get, we talk about what kind of options you would choose on a, a artisanal uh, sex doll. We talk a lot about Hitler, um, mostly negative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John is John is John. Uh, it, it was a lot about history and and difficult to pronounce names of cities in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really fun to do. So I think one of the, like the 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 ways that I wrote down in my notes to kind of wrap this section up, like this whole thing about the, your podcast in history, because I think it's I know it's interesting to me as a um, a follower of what you do and a fan of what you do. So that's why I think it will be for others too. I'm sure I'll hear if it's not. Um, <laughs> like for me, the shows that you're doing now. So I think you look nice today to a point, but definitely back to work and Roderick on the line. They give you the ability to give the outlet for both sides of your personality. I feel because it's like you to, definitely to, 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 to <laughs> the annoying one and the annoyinger one. I would say the the helpful one and the the comedian. Like, because I feel that that's from following you the time that I have. That's what I feel that the facets of the online persona that you have, and the two, these two shows now allow you to get that balance. And I think that that it's, it's, I think that right now that you're doing some great work. Oh, thank you. That's really amazingly cool of you to say. Thank you. And uh, that that means that means a lot to me. It's hard to say that without sounding like a like a dork, but. <laughs> Should we, just really, hug? should we all just I mean, hug the fact, now? The fact that you listen makes me feel really good. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, I just think we should just turn this into a massive group hug and then talk about something that we... I like what you guys do too. <laughs> it's so amazing. I love you. This is big. I, I feel like we should now talk about something that we enjoy. Please. So I know this is something that you enjoy greatly yes. and you can mm-hmm. feel free to talk on, or not. It's, it's, it's your show too now. Um, and that's Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace have supported us for a while on 70 decibels and you know I know that us and all of our listeners are grateful for that Squarespace have done something amazing recently um, and they have Squarespace 6 the new Squarespace if you sign up for a Squarespace account now you will be entered into the Squarespace 6 platform that they have created they've done some incredible work um, on completely redesigning the back end um, from what you see from a from an account owning perspective, but also the new themes are incredible, absolutely beautiful. I mean, I've, I've been running um, Squarespace six for for a while. I was lucky enough to be included in the beta, um, and just some of the stuff that they've done now is is amazing. The responsive web design um, with all of their inbuilt templates. I mean, that sort of stuff to get somebody to create that for you or to buy a template on other platforms and they work responsive is a difficult thing to do. And they do even little things like if you upload an image into a post, well, it scales down automatically when it's on iPhone, on iPhone and stuff like that. And I love looking at my site on the other devices, and you know you rotate it and it stretches everything out. It's awesome. Um, they still do their amazing things with Squarespace Six, like their custom domains. If you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get a free custom domain name. You just say what you want they check if it's available and they just integrate it into your site. You don't need to worry about changing MX records, which is something that. <laughs> terrifies me to my inner core um, and but Squarespace take care of that they have award winning support um, you know if you are somebody that likes to do one of those link list cultivating sites well you can do that now with Squarespace you can write in Markdown as well if that is your bag Merlin I know you're a fan I'm a fan yeah I, as of, I'm looking at my uh, Squarespace 6 site that I'm working on right now and uh, 
I, I'm with you on the responsive thing. Sometimes I just grab the right side of, of my browser and just go bloop, bloop, and it's so cool. And you watch it not magically dance like, around. It doesn't look like a generic mobile site, no. you know. And and uh, uh, just uh, as a productivity thing, I mean, the the biggest thing uh, we're doing a project with Squarespace on back to work in terms yeah. of disclosure. And w- what we're doing is I'm I'm, I'm completely redoing my own site from the ground up because it's completely gone to seed and even though it's a Squarespace site I was just like well there's some more stuff here I don't even want to do and uh, I'm starting over and my biggest thing is not sitting and just playing like I finally what did I just change to is it peak that I just changed to the one where you get the giant like image at the top yeah it's you know what I'm looking forward to though if I can pull it off um, is doing these screencasts of like how I do that how I grab these images and make a little you know, gallery out of it. It's it really is. You, you, one must be careful about things that are fun to do, because it can be a little too absorbing to just have fun. But it is it is the main thing that I would say to people, and I hope Lil Ryan likes this. Lil Ryan Stansky, our contact there. But it really is a very different product from Squarespace Five. I think some people will find it a little disorienting. It's so different. But I'm still getting as somebody who used to do break tags starting in 1995. I'm still getting my head around how to think about the way this wants to work. Mm-hmm. But brother, am I ever enjoying that change? I'm, yeah. I'm, IE6 just doesn't come up anymore. In my whole life, used to just be IE6 or IE5. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. how will I make this work on this one thing? What thing do I have to Google and find on Zeldman's site to fix it? And now I, I just don't touch the code. I drag in a markdown block, I type, and it's just a thing. And it really is fun. It, it, I, the thing I always say to people, I mean... To, to the point where they're sick of hearing it, is that if you know anybody out there who's not Carl Van Hoot, who's not a total nerd, that, why would you ever go anyplace else? You set them up. You get them a two-year account. Go. You can have an intranet. You can, have, you can just have whatever you need, and it's all in here. You don't have to fiddle with stuff. You don't have to update plugins. It's a total joy to use, and I'm, I'm so grateful that they exist. Thanks for jumping in there, man. I really appreciate that. Sorry, I said I wouldn't. I was going to no, circuse some my mic. I'm so sorry. I wanted you to. So Squarespace starts at $10 a month for the standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. But if you sign up for one of their annual plans, not only do you get a free custom domain name, you get 20% off that price. And if you sign up for two years, you get 25% off. But don't use, don't forget, don't use, don't forget to use the offer code. <laughs> <laughs> do not, whatever you do, do whatever not forget you do. to use. The offer code seventy decibels eight because we're now into August. That's seven zero D E C I B E L S eight at checkout. This will give you another ten percent off. And if you want to try Squarespace out, go to squarespace.com forward slash seventy decibels to start your two week free trial. Now we're going to do something. We now that you know. I know. I think a lot of people enjoy this. I know I enjoy it. Maybe it's um, just a little bit self indulgent on my point. But I want to talk about X Men a little bit. Yes. Before we let you go, because um, I feel like, like you, man, and I'm getting into comics again. I used to read comics when I was a kid, and I'm getting back into them again. Things like the iPad and stuff like that make it really easy to just get them. Um, and I started to go back, and I'm reading some stuff, and I've bought some X Men collections because I want to get back like the, into uh, that. the Masterworks. I haven't got the Masterworks yet, uh, but it's something that I'm. Is that available in Comicsology? Um. Oh, gosh, Comixology on Redacted is so screwed right now. Are you getting that? Are you I'm on Redacted? Not, no, I'm not because of Stephen. Like Stephen is right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm. I'm uh, I got a very nice email from Comixology saying Redacted is not supported. Thank you. It's <laughs> crazy. I've got so much money in Comixology. Oh, no. What they've got, I know they've got Dark Phoenix Saga, Masterworks. Um, I I got to tell you, I, I I have bought 
<laughs> you know what? I'll post a photo and send it to you. I took a photo of my pile of Masterworks. Yeah, I really recommend buying the Masterworks in trade, trade paperback. Okay. One, two, three, and one, two, three, four, and then either Dark Phoenix or five. There's some overflow, but I like having just the dark. I have to have both. But uh, there, it's great. It is really great. Dan got me into this, actually reading it, holding it in your hand. I love reading. My daughter and I love to read uh, comics on the iPad just because of the, you know. You should mention Comixology. It's a, it's a pretty neat and annoying app. It's it's annoying that I can't get my comics out of there, but it has what do they call it guided panning, whatever, where you guided just click panning. on the right side and it takes you to the next panel. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I like it. I like. It. I mean, I prefer to read in devices where I don't have to do that. Like I mm-hmm. just, I prefer to just sort of um, read them. Like as the whole, if they were like the whole page experience. Yeah, I like that. I like. You have comics. You have comic zeal. Uh, I've tr- I tried it out a while ago to get some files that I stumbled across onto my yes, iPad. Yes, yes, I, ha- I stumbled on those too. Yeah, they were, you know, there's nothing I could do about it. They just fell onto my computer, and so I thought, well, somebody's going to find, gonna find the X-Men uh, chronological one and two. Have you found that? I haven't, but maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to Google that. No. Who would want no. to? Why would you yeah. want to? It's, it could only, only bad things can happen. But mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a specific collection that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about and to see if you'd read it and so marvel were doing these um it's called season one i can't remember how we oh yeah yeah um and so basically what they're doing is it's kind of for new people that they're, they're retelling the um the sort of the the history of these properties and so they've done like a spider-man one um they've done X-Men, Fantastic Four so that they're retelling the origin of these characters but in modern day Mm-hmm. so they're like you know everybody's carrying around iPads like you literally have iPads and iPhones and it's all new and stuff and I just wondered if you looked at the X-Men one because I know you have a, a very specific affection for Jean Grey I'm not familiar with her work okay but hmm. I do <laughs> I have uh, the, the first one I bought was Fantastic Four which I yeah. actually I bought <laughs> this is so embarrassing I bought the X-Men season one I think it's called on uh, Sunday actually and I haven't read it yet but I flipped through it I like it okay I don't like it nearly as well as the Fantastic Four one the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four one I think is really really good um, but yeah no they're really good and, and actually if you want to get your kid if you're, you're poor children into this there's, a, there's some have you seen the, the like uh, Marvel Origins for Kids. Have you seen those books? No. Oh, they're fantastic. Do you do, you do show notes for the show? Mm-hmm. I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Okay. The one for X Men is fantastic. I mean, it's obviously very reductive, but you can totally read it with your kid. My my kid has memorized it. But it's you know, but but what you're describing is, is pretty neat. I mean, what the, just so we just so we mentioned, if you're thinking about getting back into comics, I especially Marvel, which is what you should get back into. Um, I really recommend the Marvel Masterworks. And what is that? Well, uh, Fantastic Four Marvel Masterworks number one is just basically – it's the first N Fantastic Four comics ever. It's just in order. You know what I mean? So like Uncanny X-Men Masterworks one through four is like giant size X-Men number one through – I want to say into like the 140s. But it's everything – I think it's everything up to Days of Future Past approximately. But it's so great because you, you don't have to sit there and you don't have to download CBRs, whatever those are, or CBZs, whatever those are. You, you have this in your hand and it's, it's really nice to read that way. I read an entire X-Men comic last night. Well, a long one. And it was, it was a, actually a gift from, from, from someone. And it was, it's, it's so fun to read. Now, the one you're describing, yeah, they're really good. It's weird. There's so many universes and stuff. I recently read uh, – um, I – Astonishing X-Men has rapidly rocketed to the top of my of near the top of my favorite X-Men. I think it's 
uh, volume three, the what's his name? Uh, Josh Wheaton is that his name? Yeah, I bought that one. <laughs> I love needling people. It's so good. The one that starts with gifted. Yeah, have I, you read that? I haven't. I've bought it, but I've not yet read it because oh, tr- I'm a fan of Josh yourself. Whedon. It's so. awfully good. And if you Google Google um, astonishing X Men uh, gifted like. Um, Google that on YouTube and you'll find like I forget what they call it like a motion video where they've taken the comic and it sounds like Clutch Cargo or something but they've made or like the old Captain Americas but they've made a really cool movie out of the entire Gifted and it's great I think it's just fantastic but yeah yeah I've got back into that and the, the, now I, I have I like those old ones I think it's a little bit weird to update it like that because there's something very special about the Fantastic Four in particular especially being of its time you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it was the it was the beginning of what they call it the Silver Age. I don't know, but the beginning of that awesome Marvel period, where you had these people who got powers they never wanted. You know, <laughs> in the age of nuclear fear, like there's something yeah. special about that time. I just love so. the way that we can get these things now. I mean, that's what's made it so easy for me to to get back into comics is I don't have to find a comic store because there's not a lot of them oh the you do you do mainly comicsology. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much just digital because there's not there's, there aren't. Um, there aren't why don't shops. they put them all on there it's so I love that I can go in there and buy a whole arc or storyline yeah. right yeah, yeah it's great to go in and buy Dark Phoenix and have it all in one place but it's I don't understand I, I'm sure there's a reason but I don't understand why they don't have every Uncanny X-Men in there it's so frustrating I really it's wanted weird. to go buy 168 and I had to go to a place for the thing to get mm-hmm. 168 because you can't buy it you know I mean if you want to get the one where Kitty Pride like officially like becomes an official the, the Professor Xavier is a jerk. Great issue. If you want to see her meet Lockheed and like hang with Lockheed for real, like you have to go get it somewhere else. I would, I, I would happily pay money for that. Now I sound like one of those Olympic people. So there is a, the, the reason that I mentioned the season one yeah. is because there are some panels in that book where Jean Grey is very special. Oh, well, can it. I recommend the Jean Grey Origins? Have you seen that? No. Not the kids one. Have you seen you know the Origins one? Not the kids ones? one. You don't show this one to the kids. <laughs> well, oh, let me see if I can find one for you here. Um, I'll have to find that. Oh, good. I'm glad to know their specialness. I'm always looking for new Jean Grey specialness. I actually started, this is so embarrassing, I actually started a separate Tumblr mm-hmm. called uh, Giant Size X-Man. Yeah, it's clever. Which is a, 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 it's a pun. It's a very p- funny pun on my name. Um Wait till I send this to you. I'll send this to you in the robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I, you know, I, I'm first of all, like, I am totally in love with Jean Grey, like, like as a person. But I'm also, honestly, completely fascinated by her as a character. Um, honestly, like, I, I think her character is is such an interesting artifact of its time, uh, and and I am I'm really into it. And now I'm I'm really enjoying. Like I said, I'm really enjoying Kitty Pride for for similar reasons. But yeah, those what you know. The one thing I always want to try to do is like give people a good place to start. And like, I still think Giant Size X-Men number one is a great place to start. You know what I mean? Because the first series of X-Men, it's, it's okay. It's not, there's some great ones. The Sentinel stuff is great. But boy, what a, that's just such a great comic-y comic. You know, reading something like the Proteus arc, which I just think is amazing. Yeah, can, I tell you what, can I tell you what I read last night? Do you mind? No, please. This is, I don't I hope you wouldn't mind my saying. My friend Jay Thrash, who's just a wonderful guy, said this to me from my wish list. Um, uh... God loves, man kills. Have you read this? Mm-mm. Wow, it's it's the mostly the basis of X two, 
the movie. Okay. And so it's this, but it's a TV evangelist who is dedicated to destroying all mutants. And it's really, really, it's super dark. No way could I read it to my daughter. It's got a heavy undertone of something between the Holocaust and like, you know, uh, discrimination in the South kind of thing. It's right. so good. Have you read it? Steven? No, no, I was just defending the South for a second, but I can't defend that. I lived in Florida. I'm allowed. That's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm taking notes because I'm not a comic guy. Do me a favor and uh, Google Bull I, Connor. I, um, I kid because I love. Now where, where, now, where do you live? What state are you in? I'm in Tennessee, Memphis, home of Elvis. No kidding. We, uh, we used to go to um, Lake Norris, which is kind of out near like Knoxville. Yeah. We used to go there. Uh, that's where our family used to go on vacation. It's kind of near the Smoky Mountains, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful area if you like to fish and stuff. So what, did you guys get, get that in the robot? Did you see those? Yeah, the images, they're in the show notes now. Which oh, you dear. can get our show notes by going to 70decibels.com forward slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C. That, that Marvel girl look out, that will serve me well at sea. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great image. It, it's re- it looks really like um, World War II propaganda poster. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I mean, I, I kind I, I'm going to give X Men First Class another shot. The the the, the book, uh, it's not, that's that style that I don't love, but I know a lot of people love it. But the what would you call it? Not not the actual pages, but the like. I don't know what you what do you call that when there's like just a page in there that's like a poster? You know what I mean? Like every comic's yeah, yeah. got these nowadays. Those drawings are fantastic. I don't know who drew those, but they're just beautiful, and it's in this kind of in this style. Mm. It, it looks more real. It's more Yeah, did you see the one of her the one of her in front of the mansion? Like I, I yeah. just think that's just a beautiful image. The, so well the done. The breath one. Yeah, it, it looks like other ones. it looks like a portrait more than anything else. You know? Yeah, which you can overdo. You know. But yeah, check out the uh, Astonishing X Men. I gotta say, Astonishing X Men Gifted is up there with I would have to say with like Dark Phoenix and Days of Future Past and like the no, this is really like on another level. I, I you know, I never watched all those vampire sex shows, all the kids like I don't know I know Joss Whedon worked on like Toy Story and stuff. I don't know anything about that cult of Joss Whedon. Some people don't love the writing in Astonishing X Men. It's so funny, it's so on point. Like Wolverine is really funny. Nightcrawler is totally sympathetic. And uh, the the arc is just great, and it's a, and again, you know what I gotta say, Astonishing X Men Volume Three, great place to jump in because you don't have to know everything about the X Men to immediately get what's going on in it. It's very well done. Do you see the Avengers movie? Um, I'm gonna say this phonetically. The Telesync, right? Okay, is that how you pronounce yeah, it? I understand that. Terrible idea to try and do that. Don't do it. Uh, just but it makes me the beginning and the end both look good. I didn't understand the middle. Boy, that Black Widow does something. But, uh, boy, watching, and spoiler alert, watching Hulk beat the crap out of Loki. I could just Hilarious. put that on a loop. Hilarious. I hate that guy. I hate Loki so much. <laughs> like a deep-seated rage. Oh, my God. Just, oh, he makes me so mad. And we watch, uh, you know, we watch the, as my daughter says, the Revengers. We watch the Revengers oh, cartoon cool. a lot. But, like, just reading anything, like, I'm not a giant Thor fan, but Loki is such a dick. I hate that guy. Yeah, nobody. Did you, did you see it? I, I, no, I loved Captain America. I thought the yeah. Captain America movie was so a cut good. above. So I thought good. it was so well done. Like it was just like a good movie. Like, it was a good movie. And how, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I thought that guy was skinny. How about that? Chris Evans. Sure, uh, Steve. Like yeah. I, I see Rogers. I, I thought that that w- I thought they bulked him up. I didn't realize that it was the opposite of that. So that's they did really like good. the um, the Brad Pitt thing. What, what was that movie? Uh, where he's young. Oh, seven? <laughs> no, where he's like a young guy. Oh, my God. 
the Curious oh, Case yeah, of Benjamin yeah, yeah. Button. They did that. Right. Like so, they put Chris Evans, the actor, onto a, a like his head onto a skinny guy's body. Jim Metzendorf was trying to explain this to me, or Jim or Jay Thrash, but I think it's like the opposite of Benjamin Button. Did did they put a? You know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I just know that there's a head that's on a body that's not correct. I love X Men. Oh boy, it's good. It's 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 so gratifying to read Why in a way you? that like I said this on Jim's show on Captain Jim's show, but like I like the Avengers, but the Avengers are generally like it's a bunch of strong people, and like the X Men are all a mess. They're all so screwed up. You know what I mean? Maybe not as screwed up as like Spider Man, but I mean Wolverine is a very very damaged human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love Nightcrawler. I just love him. So, so what's your what's your favorite? You guys now, now Stephen, are you a nerd in this stuff? Uh, this is not a category in which I'm a nerd. I'm okay. just I'm just soaking it in, yeah. just listening. I think mm. for me, I'm a Spider-Man guy, sort of. Oh, is that right? The what with the original? Um, I've kind of been. Uh, I'm really enjoying the new stuff, like with the with the. the this new is the different. Thing. This is spoiler alert. Is this the different Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. The, it's, I heard Dan said it's good. Is it? Is, it, good. is it? What's it called? Is it? Um, I think it's called Ult. It's difficult. I think it's called Ultimate Spider-Man, but there's two okay. Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Just look for the one. He's got the black and he's got a black and red suit. Okay, is got, an ultimate ultimate. Uh, that's their version of like the DC reboot thing. An ultimate well, is like a total of. reboot of the franchise with no history. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of. They they sort of skewed like it Ultimate X Men. They do that, right? Yeah, but they're about to do it again. Ugh, God, enough. Well, because DC had a lot of success, commercial really? success with its new Fifty Two. It did really well for them, um, hmm. and sort of critically as well. Because what you know, for anyone that doesn't know, DC just said, "Right, we're going to put a line in the sand." All of that stuff didn't happen. We're starting again, and Marvel. I think are about to do this thing called Marvel Now, and they're like rebooting a bunch of property properties. And it's I don't really understand it. Fine, I'll look forward to reading it. Are you reading the Avengers versus X Men thing? Uh, I bought it on the Comicsology. I haven't read it yet. It's really um, good. because I'm still I'm only, I'm still f- uh, like there's that one image my daughter and I look at and we're so bewildered. Like I know Beast, Beast left the X Men. Something crazy happened and he got more beastie and then he became an Avenger. Right? Didn't something weird happen in between? Yeah, and then there's like like an got- unknown. Is it like unknown? Like something happened and suddenly uh, Hank is what they call him. Hank Henry. Yeah. What they call him? Hank. He suddenly got. Like much more beastie, not as beastie as Astonishing X Men, but he, didn't he suddenly get a lot more blue and beastie? I believe so. Like, there's a new Hulk now. Like, I do struggle. Yes, to keep yeah. Up Wolverine, with Wolverine's on the wrong side. You got a Red <laughs> Hulk. I don't know what the f a Red Hulk is. Green Hulk. Basically, my understanding is Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk got oh, separated, yeah. and then Hulk killed Banner. This, this is apparently <laughs> a correct thing. I don't yes. understand. And now Hulk lives in space. Thing. Or something, and he's got something to do with this Avengers versus X Men. But the, I'm really enjoying the story. Like in the, you, I think you would like it. I do. Oh shoot! I just sent you the Kindle edition of a comic book. What a terrible idea! I'm sorry. I'm trying to send you some stuff for show notes. Yeah, I, I, um, I, there's so much going. on. I told you this. I think before we were recording, but I was looking. Um, I was trying to find out where precisely in the X Men, in X Men. I don't know how you say it. Um, where you where we first learn about Magneto's childhood? Mm-hmm. Trying not to spoil anything because it is fun to learn. But I've seen that in two different X Men movies, and I thought, oh, I, I want to find out where this happened. And I went to in my Wikipanian app on the iPhone. I went to the Wikia page for Magneto, and before I learned anything about Magneto, I had to scroll past like thirty five different Magnetos from like, like. Oh, Earth. I guess I want Earth six one six. Oh, or or do I want Earth six one five point nine? Really? 
Like, well, anyway. It's See, now, now here's the problem. Yeah. In a month, I'm probably going to be into all that junk. See, so since I've kind of got back into comics, I'm kind of trying to ignore, like, um, story arcs as such. Like, I, But what I'll do is, like, I, I don't want to know anything about what happened before. I don't want to know anything about what happened after. I will just buy, like, a trade that looks interesting to me and just mm-hmm. consume that as, like, a movie kind of idea in my brain because trying to keep up with the space it is in the timeline is just too much for me. Like for some, this is the problem. Like this is why the DC thing works because it's allowed people to come back to DC Comics. Sure, and, you I mean, you certainly look. I mean, what, what I, I, again, it's a story I've told elsewhere. But going to the uh, comics store, which my daughter and I love to do, and I, I actually she really does love it. And I bought her a Green Lantern, like her first actual real comic. And she was like, "Wow, look at all these different Green Lanterns. There were so many." I was like, "Well, look over here at the X Men section. It's just it, it is kind of bewildering." And uh, I mean, I got, if this is helpful to anybody, this is just my advice. Here's what I would say. I would say if you want to check out the X-Men, I would start with Marvel Uncanny X-Men Marvel Masterworks Volume 1, which starts with Giant Size X-Men number one. And what that is, is just for anybody who cares, 1975, they take this dead franchise and it's the transition. This is not spoiling anything, really. The transition from the old X-Men to the new X-Men. And it begins one of the greatest periods uh, of one of the greatest comics. And if you still like, if you like it by the end of volume one, I would move on to volume two. If you kind of like it, I would go straight to Astonishing X-Men volume three, Gifted. It's it's starting with Gifted. Um, I got new X-Men and I don't love, love it. I'm going to keep reading it and going back to it, but I get why people like it, but it's super dark and I don't love the style. But, I mean, I, I like some of it a lot. I like the way the Beast looks and stuff like that. But did, have you read New X-Men? Uh, no, I haven't, no. I think it's when they first got leathery. It's, right. it's, kind, of, it's kind of, I don't know, it's different. But I can, I just, I can uncategorically, I, I absolutely recommend Astonishing. Stephen, you should go out and get this today. You should go watch here. Stephen, here's your, here, can you capture this? Stephen, yes. go to YouTube, find some time, go to YouTube and watch the Astonishing X-Men. I'm going to find out what it's called, motion video, I think. Yeah, Marvel did this thing for a while called Motion Comics. That's it, motion comic. Yeah. Are there, are there more than that one? There's, they did a whole thing, but I think it kind of failed. This is well, what they I, were trying to do. I noticed they bought it. I, or excuse me, I noticed they were selling it. Yeah. Because I, I ran a... You ever use iFlix? Mm-mm. Oh, I recommend iFlix. iFlix is an app that will let you uh, encode your video, uh, but it also will pull down... You can use it just to like do metadata in place. So you can get what an MKV, whatever that is, drop it onto there, and it makes a uh, MP4 wrapper, M4P. Anyway, it makes an iTunes-friendly wrapper around it and puts all of the metadata into it. Nice. So I went and got, let's just say I bought whatever, uh, this and did that, and so I could watch it on my Apple TV. It's pretty great. Now, I'm looking at the time. I think we may have run out of time with you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It was so good, and then we went and talked about X-Men. I'm so sorry. I think anybody that stuck around to this point deserves a medal of some description. Um, And I thank anybody that's still here after the X-Men time. It was kind of a discussion that I personally wanted to have with you. So I'm sorry for anybody that that has got this. But I think overall it's been absolutely incredible. And thank you so much (laughs) for joining us. I really do. Are you damning me with faint British praise? I'm being genuinely, honestly serious. We... Stiff up the lip. We only speak seriously. Um, we don't, you know, we don't have the ability to speak in any other way. Um, yeah, so, it's true. <laughs> oh, there's a, uh, Charles Grodin told a wonderful story. I'm going to keep your show longer. There's a great Charles Grodin told a great story on uh, Letterman in the '80s about after he'd written, uh, you know, a, a memoir, 
and explaining the title of it. And he said something along the lines of he'd been visiting a friend in England who had this like estate, this manor. And the person was ready to meet with him. He wandered around. He went upstairs into what turned out to be the private quarters. And like the head of housekeeping or whatever came in and smiled graciously at him and said, it would be so nice if you weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so, it feels so British and so perfect. And uh, that was their way of saying, get the F out of here. I love your people. You're, 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 uh, you're, you're, uh, I, I admire your people. We're a special race of person. Mm-hmm. The, the You Look Nice Day that comes out tomorrow has some pretty good uh, British-related content in it. Probably 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I know you really is, believe in your historical accuracy. Hey, listen, I went to England once. I went to a yeah? city called Brighton. So I, I was in London for almost a day. So, yes, I feel qualified. Hadrian's Wall, boom. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolutely delight. I'm sorry I, I didn't let the, the other mic talk very much. I'm sorry, Stephen. But this is I'm a total here. joy to be on. I hope, that, <laughs> I hope this is a, a huge, big, fat, big-titted success for you uh, and your co-hosts. Because uh, it's awful fun to do, and you're uh, a nice man. Thank you very much. And Merlin, where is the best place for people to find you if they would like to do so? Like, where can they go? Uh, probably What's in like a dark place? alley with yeah. a couple friends. <laughs> a secret room. <laughs> <laughs> Just a very old blanket party on Talkie Boy. One of my favorite guided by voices EPs. You, um, you can find me, I don't know, whatever. Oh, I'll uh, do it for you. You know, I, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, you can find me on Vidler <laughs> and this site and that site. Facebook. And I'm on Vidler and Pidlio and Dingback. <laughs> um, be sure to follow my friends' backs on Flipboard and front back my follow force. Yeah, you can check out my Phoenix Force at MerlinMan.com. The site's all broken now because I've been doing stuff with it. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which is excruciating. But yeah, you can look at it. Uh, my, you know what? I'm just out there Google Merlin. It will be. It will be. Go on me. No, yeah, I guess my site. It's so not updated, but next week it should start emerging thanks to our friends uh, at Squarespace for uh, supporting all of us. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Tw- Twitter can be funny. I'm super annoying on Twitter, but uh, I'm out there. Awesome. And uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm iMike, I M Y K E. Stephen is at I S M H. Merlin, thanks so much for joining us for episode one. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure having you. Thank and you, man. I hope we can do it again. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to episode one of Command Space. Thank you, Stephen Hackett, for joining me. You bet. And next week, who do I have next week? Oh, you're going to be actually taking over for me next week, Stephen, aren't you? Because I'm on holiday. Yeah, I'll I'll be with uh, Jason Snell of uh, Macworld Magazine, amongst other places. We talk about journalism and writing and stuff. It's nothing like the host of a new show taking a holiday on his second episode. (laughs) But that's Uh, again, that's what we British do. Just take holiday. Exactly. I, I don't think it's. I think uh, holiday. I think you meant to say lift. Lift. Oh yes, Freudian <laughs> elevator. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.